morning, church family. Today's scripture reading can be found in Genesis chapter 19, verse 12 and 14. You can find this passage in your Black Pew Bibles on page 17. And the uh, Lord is honored when we stand for the reading of his word. Here is the word of the Lord. Then the med said to Lot, Have you anyone else in here, sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and and said to his sons-in-laws, who were merry at his daughters, who were to marry his daughters, up. Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. In light of the recent events that have happened with our New York lawmakers, as well as the popular musicians and movie industry the psychological profession, the educators, all promoting the LGBTQ community, it is important for us to understand what God has to say. God has never been trendy. His purpose is an eternal purpose. His design for the human race has been unchanging. Fads come and go. A few months ago, the hashtag MeToo movement was everywhere. Today, you hardly hear the term spoken in our culture, except by those of us who always come to these parties a little late. What our culture says is right today, they will say is wrong tomorrow. And what is wrong now is right the next day. For instance, Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade seemed an impregnable law, even up to three, four, five years ago. But in recent weeks, states have begun passing their own abortion law because it looks like there's a possibility that Roe versus Wade might fall. The point is, we can't be moved by contemporary consensus on any given subject because that consensus will change which brings us back to the topic at hand from this passage, the issue of homosexuality. The changing tides of human reason shift with the blowing sands of time, but God's truth stands firmer than the Rocky Mountains. Evolutionists claim that humanity is adapting as time progresses. But if homosexuality is progression, then the future of the human race is in doubt. Or where will reproduction occur to replenish the diminishing population? That's why the scripture testifies to the unnatural state of the gay lifestyle. Certainly, homosexuality was given by God for pleasure, but also for procreation. If you remove either one of those 
two things, then the human race ceases to exist, pleasure or procreation. Therefore, it behooves us to look into this matter from God's perspective rather than man's perspective, or we're going to fall into the twin fallacies that are being promoted today. By the far left, that individuals are born homosexual, or by the far right, that homosexuality is the worst of all possible sins. God's answer is neither of those two things being true, but God's answer is immutable, it is unchangeable, it is undeniable. And so, as we look at this passage today, our theme is that the world scoffs at the church's preaching of God's judgment on their sinful behavior. Still, we as Christians must not hesitate to tell them of their impending doom. Even as Al Mohler spoke a bit ago, and Julius in his prayer, America is a litigious society. For those of you who have not heard yet, I have resigned my position, not at the church. Marie, pull those eyes back in, lift your mouth up. Not at the church, but at New York School of the Bible, um, beginning this summer, because I will be starting my doctorate. The Lord willing. (laughs) Um, And so I have to start using bigger words like litigious um, to get my brain working on a doctoral level. So excuse those words for now. But that means that we sue at the drop of a hat. Whatever reason, we're going to sue. And as a result, we have become a nation that has the most warning signs of any nation in the world. Coffee is hot. So watch out, lest you get burnt. Beware of alligators in the Florida swamps. This 20-foot fence with barbed wire over the top is there because bears will eat you. Truly, we have to warn people of everything in our culture. But you know, God has also faithfully provided warnings for us. Warnings about things that truly are dangerous. As he has faithfully warned us through perhaps things like the AIDS epidemic, For a brief time, it serves as a warning about homosexual behavior, but that has passed. In verse 12 of our text, the angels gave to Lot a very dramatic warning. It says, Then the men said to Lot, 
Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, anyone that you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we're about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Powerful warning. But the question becomes, why was such a harsh warning necessary? Well, notice that it is God who makes the determinations about what is right and wrong. That's important for us to recognize. God is the one who determines right from wrong. Now, twice in this passage, the angels who are talking to Lot, the angels told him that what they were telling him came from the Lord. This is God's word, is what they are saying to him. Human beings think we're pretty smart, and compared to maybe you or me, some of them might appear very smart. We have people with PhDs and JDs and MDs behind their names. We have professors and psychologists and Nobel Prize winners. And if you would line all of those people up together and add their IQs together, none of that would match the wisdom of God. All of those individuals today are lining up behind the recent politically correct declarations concerning climate change, abortion, gender identity, and all the rest. But God alone is the one who is wise. God alone knows how he created us. He did not create 56 different genders, as Facebook would tell us. He created two. If we stripped everyone naked in this room today, it would not take us very long to tell which of those two genders you are. No amount of hormone therapy or cross-dressing is going to change that. So the one who created you and me is the only one with the right to tell us how to treat our sexuality. James, the half-brother of our Lord, spoke wisely in James 4 when he wrote, But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but you become a judge. There is only one lawgiver, one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. We're reminded every time we read the scripture or as we study history how true this is. Every society that has ever rebelled against God's laws has collapsed in upon itself. God alone, then, determines what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is error. So that means, you notice, that it is God who defines what is deviancy. The word deviant, that is defined in the dictionary as, and I quote, departing from usual or accepted standards, especially in social or sexual behavior, end quote. The Bible, however, has a different definition than that. 
The Bible's definition is departing from the purpose for which God created it. Another word then for deviancy is just simply sin. Our kids tell you that sin is anything that you think, say, or do that violates God's law. Now listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy concerning that. He says, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just or the righteous, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Now, there were a lot of things in that list, a lot of different kinds of sins, including our topic today, the topic of homosexuality. And we can see that it is joined by many other types of behaviors, which means that it is not somehow considered to be the worst of all sins. All of those things are sins. All of them would be considered by God to be deviant behavior. And therefore, all of them would fall under God's righteous judgment. The Pharisee who stood up in the temple and he said that he was not like other men because he did all these great religious actions and didn't do the things that those sinners did, The Bible tells us that he walked away condemned by God. Jesus said that all who commit sin against God will end up under the judgment of God. That man, that Pharisee, would go to hell just as clearly as any gay or lesbian or transgender individual. Self-righteousness in some passages of the scripture is considered worse than some of the more notorious things that we often call sins. As a matter of fact, Jesus said to the cities of Israel that had the works that Jesus had done in their midst been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented. But the self-righteous individuals, the Pharisees, the scribes, and all, did not repent. But let me clarify something important. And that is that same-sex attraction is not what makes the LGBTQ culture wrong. As I shared a few Sundays ago, when that question came up on our our, uh, panel for Truth Today, Faith Tomorrow, every human being is born with same-sex attraction. Every human being. What do you think about a football team? Those guys out there, yo, bro, man, you're cool. All right? 
We have deep, dear friends that are same-sex attraction. My father, I love dearly. Even now he's in heaven. Men find strength in hanging out with men. Women are born to want, as Anne Shirley of Green Gables fame used to say, bosom buddies. God made us to be social creatures, to enjoy fellowship with one another. It is only when that same-sex attraction becomes sexual in nature that it then turns to that which is wrong. Just the same as in opposite-sex attraction turns to pornography or sex outside of marriage or premarital sex. So notice that it is God who declares what to destroy. Since God is the one who determines right from wrong, and what is a deviation from what he purposed, then God has the one, the right, to do what he wants with those who violate that. God has created us for his purpose created us in the way that he has designed us and has a right to destroy us if we violate that. Since sin entered into this world and death came as a result of that sin, God has acted through history to prevent the human race from destroying itself. That's what the Tower of Babel was about. It was also what the flood was about and many other things throughout history. God brings the eternal judgment of what will happen in the future sometimes into the present so that we are warned now about what the future will hold. Jude reminds us of that truth in the book of Jude. He says, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that the Lord who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he's kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And it is that third illustration, then, that gives us pause today. As Jews stated, there was a time here in the United States where we fully knew well that homosexuality was unnatural, that it was wrong, that it was sinful. But our political hacks and rebellious leaders have brainwashed the American population with a constant bombardment through movies and news and political actions, that it is now normal. God's going to bring his wrath to bear on those who would change his glory in the human being, which is created in the image of God to reflect God's glory and God's holiness. And we turn it into a lie. Therefore, God will bring judgment. As the scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. Now we have seen how God has faithfully provided a warning for us. 
Yet, how will people know about that warning? A blind person can't read warning signs, unless those warning signs are put up in Braille. Nor can a deaf person hear a warning siren or a warning call. Someone must make sure that they hear, that they see, or at least that they know, so that they can be kept safe. The Bible maintains that every human being is spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. When it comes to hearing God's word and God's warnings. Therefore, God has faithfully provided a witness. A witness to his truth. From the very beginning, God has made sure that people have been warned of the dangers of abandoning God's laws. God himself spoke to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, and told him them what was going on. He sent angels to Hagar, to Moses, to Gideon, and others in the scriptures. He gave the law to the people of Israel so that they might know his ways. And he has given to us his written word after having sent to us the living word, Jesus Christ. Nothing should then take us by surprise. God has made it clear. I will punish this behavior. I will bless this behavior. If we are faithful to what God has said, then we will be blessed. If we turn from what God has said, we will be cursed. And so we should be faithful in not only saving ourselves, but in bringing a witness to the world around us. So notice that Christians are responsible for declaring God's truth. In our text, God sent Lot as a witness in verse 14. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws, who were to marry his daughters, Up! Get out of this place! For the Lord is about to destroy the city. God has told us that we too are to go out and to warn our city and our nation and this world. We are responsible for declaring the truth of God in the midst of this world. Just as Lot was sent out to the people of Sodom, and the 120 that were in the upper room in the book of Acts, they were sent to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote as he did to Titus. And he said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all peoples, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness 
and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. While those who rebel against God will be held without excuse because nature itself reveals God's power and God's character. The fact is that the vast majority of people are blind to that truth. They miss God in nature. Therefore, we must be the ones who go to them and become the warning to them. We must go to the nations, to the peoples, with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's why we send out short-term and full-time missionaries into the world. It is also what our truth today, faith tomorrow, Sunday evening, uh, things are about. It's designed to make certain that anyone that has any question about who God is or, or what God wants to do in this world or why God acts in the way that He does or any question about the truth that comes from God's Word, that we have answers for that. And those answers can be given. We don't want anyone to be able to have an excuse when they stand before God. It is critical that the truth of God's word would be told to our friends, to our neighbors, to our family, to our co-workers, and even to our politicians. God has commanded us to go, and we must follow that command What is stopping you? What is hindering me from speaking to our family, our friends? But what is it that we are to declare to those? What is the the warning that is to be given? Notice that Christians must tell of God's deliverance. Oh, we're really good, I think, of telling about God's damnation how awful sin is and God's punishment on sin. But God wants us to speak about his deliverance. You see, the reason Christians warn people that homosexuality is wrong is not because we are homophobic. It's not because we are judgmental or we are intolerant. Actually, it's usually the other way around. The people who promote those behaviors are more intolerant of those who don't accept them. The reason true Christians speak against the behaviors of the LGBTQ community is not because we're homophobic. It is because we care for homo sapiens. We care for people as God created them. We read of the reason for a warning in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He said, this is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all peoples to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What greater reason can we have than that? God is pleased when we share the knowledge of the truth. First, because he wants people to be saved, saved from a destructive lifestyle, a destructive behavior that will eventually end in eternal destruction. When I was growing up in Pennsylvania, the winters there were much worse than they are now, much colder than they are now. And so by midwinter, all of our ponds and lakes would be frozen solid. And they would remain that way for most of the winter. It was so solid that you could drive a car onto those lakes or those ponds. 
And so every winter at Leisure Lakes, which is lakes near my hometown, the locals would hold an ice derby. That is a race on ice, and they would lay out the pattern for the cars. And, and so people would take old junker cars, and they would go out there, and they would race around the lake on ice. Now, you, you had to have bald tires on it. You couldn't have chains or anything like that, right? And it was hilarious, you know, as they're making the turns around, they're sliding into each other, bang, 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 sort of like bumper cars, right? Well, it was fun to watch, but it really wasn't so good for the cars because that's not what cars were created for. And most of those cars, by the time they got done, were good only for the junk heap. The human race is sliding around on the ice of life, wrecking ourselves. God wants us to get off the ice track and to get on the king's highway. But how is that accomplished? When we witness to them concerning the knowledge of the truth. That's what it says there in 1 Timothy 2. Because God desires all people who are saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Satan told Adam and Eve that what God was doing was withholding information for them. If you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will gain knowledge. You will become like God. But instead, eating that fruit stole from them true knowledge. God wants us to take the true knowledge and to give it back to the human race. The knowledge of God's deliverance from hell, new life here on earth, and the promise of eternal life. However, just because you share the truth doesn't mean that people will listen. Both the scriptures and history have shown us that humanity has primarily chosen willful suppression of the truth. Whether it was Adam or Cain or Lamech at the beginning of time or the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, few have responded as Nineveh did in the book of Jonah when they repented in dust and ashes. No, humanity has primarily chosen to willfully suppress that truth. So we look at verse 14. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. God's going to destroy this city! Yeah, right, man. (laughs) We've been hearing that from you for a while. We don't know if the reason that they thought he was jesting was because of the way that Lot said things to them, or just simply because, as the scripture says, life has gone on as normal, and so, you know, yeah, right. Destruction of this whole city by God. Whatever the reason... They ignored what Lot had to say to them because the human heart is desperately wicked. So notice that humanity consistently chooses the distortion of truth. We choose to distort truth. You know, the night before 
Lot had gone out to warn them. To warn the people, to say, don't do this evil behavior. Don't act in the way that you're acting. And they had ignored him that night before. And as they ignored him, back in verse 4, this is what we read. The men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. Now, did you pick up on that? The men of the city, the men of Sodom, young and old, to the last man. So guess who was standing outside of the door calling for those angels that they thought were men to be brought out to them so they could have sexual relations with them? Lot's son-in-laws were out there. Lot had warned them the night before. They had ignored him, but they also had experienced a miracle because the angels had blinded them to the door so that they were trying to to find out how to break into the house, but for some reason they couldn't figure out where the door was and they couldn't figure out where the windows were. And eventually they gave up and they went home. Now that should have been a warning to them. There's something true about what Lot is saying, but they ignored him. Suppressed the truth, and they turned it into a joke. That's exactly what we read in Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. They suppress the truth. They rationalize away God, and they rationalize away God's Laws. That had happened to those men as they rationalized away what had happened to them the night before. Oh, we must have been drunk. Oh, it was dark. We couldn't see. Rather than realizing that God had supernaturally kept them from finding the door or the windows. But notice also that humanity consistently chooses to deny the truth. Distorting truth leads to denial. Of truth. When we ignore God's truth, then we make our own truth. Step by step, as the truth of God is suppressed, the actions move in a downward spiral into greater and greater sins. Abortion, Roe versus Wade says, okay, but it's got to be safe, it's got to be legal, and it's got to be rare. It becomes infanticide with over a million abortions a year in the U.S. alone, many of them late-term abortions. Certainly not rare and not safe with the amount of women who have abortions that can't bear children afterwards or who die from those abortions, etc., The same is true of homosexuality. It began with coming out of the closet in the 1960s. Now it has moved to shoving Christians into the closet to silence us. Earlier in this sermon, I said that the LGBTQ lifestyle is not a worse sin than many others. 
But that is only a partial truth. No one is going to go to hell because they are lesbian, gay, or homosexual, bisexual, transgender, or queer. All people, religious or irreligious, will go to hell because they've rebelled against God. It is the rebellion against God, the ignoring of God, that will send anyone to hell. Still, there is one way that the LGBTQ sin is worse. Romans 1 puts it this way. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. In other words, what the scripture says is that when a culture begins to slide away from God in its laws and its perspectives, it will begin eventually to accept homosexuality as normal. Because God will lift his righteous sense of right and wrong from that culture and let them move to whatever their culture desires. God did that in Germany with Hitler. When God lifted his hand and said, you want Hitler, you want this racial uh, bigot to be your leader, then I'm going to withdraw my sense of right and wrong. So that six million Jews could be cast into the fiery furnaces. And people would just look the other way and say, well, you know, that's just the way it is. The same thing is true in a culture like the United States. We have rejected God. We have become secular. We have said we don't need God. We don't want God in our culture. As a result from that, God is lifting his sense of morality, his sense of right and wrong. And the scripture says that when a culture moves to the place where they accept, not only do they tolerate, but they accept the homosexual lifestyle as a norm, and not only that, but they promote it, that they have moved to the place where God has been moved completely out of their community and therefore will fall under his judgment. So it is not the sin of homosexuality that is worse than other sins. It is the sign that the community, that the culture has totally, fully rejected God. Our only hope is not to rail against homosexual community. It is to witness to a nation with such a fervent spirit of the rightness of God that hearts are changed, that our cities repent as Nineveh did, and that Christ Jesus becomes preeminent in your life and mine and in our culture. When the light of the gospel brings transformation to the hearts and the minds of people, Then men and women will turn from the wicked ways, confess their sin, turn and be saved. We need to make our prayer the prayer of Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
Lord, be born in me. Be born anew. Be born again. That righteousness and life. And so in conclusion, will you listen to God's word concerning the issues of sin and judgment? Or will you choose to set yourself up as judge and jury of what is right, what is wrong? Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, speak to our hearts today. We are living in a culture that has told us that a whole lot of things are normal. Things that are destructive, things that are leading to that destruction in our culture and our society, that are bringing damage and harm. Father, when we can say that it's okay to deliver a baby, keep it comfortable until we make a decision as to whether it lives or dies. We have really thrown everything out in terms of what is right and wrong. When our culture can say that there are 56 or 57 different gender identities, and you can choose, even as a four-year-old child, a three-year-old child, you can choose what gender you're going to be. Then truly any sense, not only of right and wrong, but of reality has disappeared from our culture. If you destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, when they didn't have near the amount of truth that we have, how much more do we deserve as a nation to be destroyed? We ask instead that you would send us out, that you sent Jonah, that we would witness to the greatness and the glory of God in such a way that men, women, boys and girls would turn to you, that they would be saved and they would see in Jesus Christ the beauty and the wonder of what we were created to be as image bearers of the most holy God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.